Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Our guest today is Lou Meyer. He's an assistant district manager and certified arborist for the Davy Tree Expert Company. And Lou, today we're talking about invasive pests. And oh, I'm telling you, this might be for you like you're a dentist. You've got to tell people <laughs> these terrible things are coming or have been here and what we're going to do about them. Yeah, it can sometimes be a little depressing regarding these things. But the great news is, is that there are ways to counteract them. And although it's not great, this is part of a um, cycle that has been with nature ever since the beginning. Uh, you know, as Disney taught us, there's the circle of life, and, uh, and we're just trying to get through it. So let's start with the emerald ash borer, which out here in the east, I'm in uh, Pennsylvania, you're in Maryland, uh, but it has wiped out our ash trees. When was the first time you heard of the emerald ash borer? Because I remember when I started hearing about it, and it scared the heck out of me. Yeah, I I was, uh, let's see, the first time I heard about it was probably around 2012 or so. I was late to the game with it. So I started in the tree care industry back in uh, 2000, 2001, in Cincinnati, Ohio, with a uh, small independent operation and then uh, bounced around with them for a minute, uh, did some other things in life, uh, and found my way back to horticulture as a landscape uh, designer installer in Cincinnati also. And we didn't mess around with ash trees too much. It was more ornamentals and, and whatnot. But when I uh, joined back or joined with Davey, uh, well, I guess that was 2013. Uh, that's when I started immediately to hear a lot about it, obviously. Um, so yeah, 2013 is when it hit my radar when I was in the field uh, as a as a plant healthcare technician and, and landscape technician. And so let's talk about the pest uh, because it is it has been absolutely devastating uh, wherever it's gone through. What does the emerald ash borer do? Right. So the emerald ash borer uh, is a pest species that's indigenous to to Asia, um, and it came here on a pallet. We, we, uh, it came here on a pallet. That's how it was transferred. So the, you know, the globalization of business has a lot of benefits. Uh, but one of the detractions is that these uh, pest species can travel around the world so fast. Um, it attacks ash trees, uh, which are members of the olive family. Um, so it can jump to other olive species, although extremely rare. And it doesn't, it's not a threat. We don't worry about it. But it works its way into our native ashes. Um, the green, white, and blue ash are the three most populous ash species in the eastern United States. Um, I imagine throughout the entire United States, but <laughs> I've operated in Ohio and, and Maryland, to be honest with you. I, I don't know the exact range, but uh, it's really devastating to the greens and the whites. The blue ashes are showing a little bit of resistance, not a tremendous amount, but a little bit. But it is a uh, 99.7% mortality rate is what we're seeing amongst the ash species. And so what it does, Doug, is it, uh, it 
works its way through the cambium layer of the tree, which is kind of the vascular system of the tree. And it cuts off the nutrient flow from the roots to the crown. And then the, the, the sugars, the carbohydrates from the crown to the rest of the tree, obviously. And it causes the trees to become very brittle. And depending on the severity of infestation and weather events and other things, you're looking at uh, a two to five year window of when the pest initially strikes the tree to complete failure of the tree. So when do you know or, or how do you know when you can treat it? We'll talk about what you use to treat it sure. in, in a minute. But how do you know when you get to an ash tree if you should treat it or not? Yeah, well, you start to see there's uh, some distinctive features to infestation. One is the tree begins to die back from the tips. So you see the tips of the tree start to uh, not foliate in the springtime. Um, and then the there's very uh, distinctive D-shaped exit holes from where the larvae are exiting from the tree in the springtime. Now, those are tough to identify unless you know you're looking for them. The way that I see a lot in the field is you start to see the bark being pulled off by woodpeckers and they're trying to get to the larvae. So if you see a bunch of bark around the base of the tree and uh, kind of shiny spots where the bark has been removed along the trunk and you know, all right, the woodpeckers are going after the boars and, um, and then you, you look for those D shaped holes. Now, as far as treatment goes, uh, there are some very successful products out there and as long as 50% of the crown is still alive, you've got a shot of saving the tree. If it's more than that, obviously the more crown that's, that's alive, the, the better your uh, opportunity of, of saving the tree is. Do you wait until it, it shows signs of the borer? Or if I had a big giant ash tree that I love more than anything in the world and the ash borer was on its way to my area, would I start treating ahead of time or do I have to wait until the ash borer actually gets to the tree? No, that's a terrific question. You want to pre-treat. You want to get that tree uh, as ready as possible uh, to face the bore. Again, with a 99.7% uh, failure rate, there's there's no reason to wait. Um, now, if you're in an area now, pretty, pretty much the entire three quarters of the United States is infested right now. So, if you are west of Colorado, uh, you might not need to start treating right now, but it's knocking on your door. It'll be there soon. So talk to a certified arborist. If you have an ash tree that you want to save, uh, talk to a certified arborist in your area to, uh, to discuss timing. But yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're, if you're in Maryland, so I'm in Maryland, I have come upon ash trees here that show no signs of infestation right now. And we immediately get them on a treatment plan to preventatively uh, ward off any damage by the boars. What can you guys do to treat a tree? What are you using to treat a tree so that we can keep it alive? Right. There's a couple of different approaches that we take. The most effective is a product called emamectin benzoate. And that is something that we inject into the trunk of the tree. Um, it has two to three years worth of good solid coverage. So that's one of the reasons why we like using that is you don't have to apply it every year. Um, it's very concentrated. So it's, it's, you're injecting it into the tree. So you're not 
affecting other plants with it. You're not pouring it on the ground. Um, and, and that has a, a, a very high success rate. Uh, another product called imidacloprid is something that we do a soil drench with. Um, so around the, the root flare of the tree. And uh, that's an annual application. So that's something that you put in uh, every spring or every fall. It depends on your zone and um, weather and the rest. But once a year for that one. And I'm just guessing that the bigger the tree, the more of that stuff you need to use. Is that correct or am I wrong there? You are very correct. So the application rate is based upon the size of the tree. In addition to the um, to those products that we use to fight the boar, we highly recommend uh, improving the health of the tree as well. So, you know, if you go to a doctor and say, hey, doc, I've got this or that, I feel these ailments. They say, well, here's your medicine. Uh, your doctor's also going to take your blood pressure, ask you what your diet is, what's your sleep habits, you know, uh, because a healthy body fights off infections a lot better than non-healthy bodies. Now, does that mean that a healthy ash will fight off the boar? No, not necessarily, but it'll be in a much better state to absorb those products and work with them and bounce back from the infection. So in addition to the, 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 the products that are fighting the boar, we do recommend feeding your trees as well. And that's something that Davey does uh, we, by deep root fertilization, where we're, we're shooting a, uh, a product called Arbor Green Pro, which is a uh, trademarked uh, fertilizer that we, we've developed that uh, mimics the forest floor of the United States uh, as far as the, the nutrient makeup. So it's the best thing you can give a tree to feed it. It's, you know, it's, it's our peas and carrots, right? So that's, that's what we suggest as well. Is there anything else? I mean, would watering make a difference too? I mean, I know we're going to, we'll, we'll treat it with the, the chemical for the, the, the pest. We'll fertilize. Does watering come into this too? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, you know, water is how trees get their nutrients. It's they, there's a, you know, a slurry underground of water and nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium that the tree uptakes. So you could put as much fertilizer into the ground as you want. If there's no water to mix with that to absorb into the tree, it's not getting into the tree. But yeah, the trees need the water much like you and I do. Yeah, absolutely. So with the emerald ash borer, because it is a new pest, uh, like it'll come through an area, basically, like you said, almost all the ash trees are gone. When it sprouts up from the bottom and we get another ash, does it get to a certain size and then the borer comes back and takes it? Or do we know what's going to happen? So far, we have not had a successful reforestation of the ashes. No. Um, uh, I talked to Dan Herms, who's with the Davy Institute last week about it. And he was one of the first ones to really do a lot of heavy research uh, on the borer. And um, he refers to it as the orphaned cohort is the is the re-sprouting of the ashes uh, in the forest of southern Michigan and northern Ohio, especially because the boar came into Detroit. I, I didn't mention that earlier. That's where it kind of spread from. That's the epicenter. Um, and so, yeah, when the, when the when the ash tree starts to die uh, from the boar, it almost knows it. They 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 react to it by sending out a tremendous amount of seedlings uh, because they're genetic beings, and you know they're. Their goal is to uh, to continue their DNA sequence, and to do that, they have to put off seeds, especially when they know they're they're failing. So, we see in areas that are hit by the boar, we see a tremendous amount of, of uh, 
new growth with the ash species of volunteers popping up. But yeah, unfortunately, we're not seeing success of those after a certain size. And it's either four or six inches of diameter. I can't remember, four or six inches where they start to, to get hit again. And so, you know, the idea initially was as the boar moves on from the area, as the food sources have been used up, it'll disappear. But, but that doesn't appear to be the case right now. Well, that's depressing, Lou. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. But there's always going to be a few that pop through. I mean, the like I said before, this is a cycle. And this has happened with the chestnuts, with the uh, chestnut blight. It's happened with the elms, with the Dutch elm disease. Now, those weren't quite as devastating as the ash borer. Um, some good news for you, Doug, is that we are hybridizing, um, we being the industry, are hybridizing some of the um, American ashes with uh, Asian ash species. So the, Asia, the, the emerald ash borer, I said, is indigenous to Asia, and the ashes over there have learned to live with it. Um, and so with the hybrids that we're coming up with, um, one of the interesting cultivars is called Northern Treasure. Um, that one is a mix of Manchurian and black ash, and that is showing uh, a pretty good resistance to the boar. And it's a, a very pretty tree. So, if, you know, it won't be the exact same, but we can kind of replicate it. Oh, that is great news. And, you know, usually when we see these pests come and they don't have a, a predator, eventually Mother Nature helps us out. Is there any hope for that or do we know yet? Yes, there is. So that's that's a great question. There are some native wasp species that are uh, starting to attack the boars. And uh, I, I believe we are releasing, or us being the, who would be the USDA, I think is releasing some um, predatory wasps. And these aren't the wasps that sting us. These aren't the, the, the paper wasp or the ones that you, you the, that sting you in the summer. Um, these are wasps that, that will lay their eggs inside of the larva and, uh, and it'll, it'll kill them that way. Um, so we're seeing that. Uh, I, there, was, there was an interesting uh, approach. I think it was the Penn State University uh, printed 3D female uh, uh, emerald ash borers and electrified them. So when the males came in to mate with this fake female, <laughs> electrify them, uh, which is a interesting way to approach it, uh, but it wouldn't be produced on a mass level. I love that idea, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for the wasps, yeah, for the wasps. Um, and, and back to your question, you know, it, is it devastating? It's devastating to the ash species, but what this has given us in the forestry world, what the opportunity that it has given us is to rethink and reapproach, you know, rethink how we approach urban forestry and plantings. Uh, it's, it's devastating that we are going to lose so many ash trees, especially in the forested areas, but so many cities were overplanted with ash trees, uh, as street trees and park trees. And that's the, the, the real damage that we see usually on an everyday basis, because we live in urban and suburban areas is trees along the streets dying. So what, what this has reminded us is to plant not monocultures, but polycultures, so different species of trees, so that our our cities can withstand 
species failure if that occurs and they don't become just big buffets for a pest. Well, let's move on from the dreaded emerald ash borer to a, another one that is, is started where I'm at in Pennsylvania called the spotted lanternfly. Uh, have you guys seen that yet? Yeah, so uh, we've seen, actually, I saw my first spotted lanternfly in person about three months ago on a uh, on a spray rig uh, that came from a different territory. It was dead. Um, it was a cadaver. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it first came to Maryland um, in 2019 was a positive hit. So the spotted lanternfly, another Asian uh, species, uh, it's native to China and India and Vietnam. Um, so uh, Southern Asia, I suppose. Um, it first came in, it was first discovered in the United States in 2014 uh, in Berks County outside of uh, Philadelphia there. And it spread from there to Delaware, uh, New York. The hit Virginia in 2018 was the was the first positive ID. Um, and now West Virginia and Maryland as well. Uh, so yeah, it's it's around here. Um, we're expecting it to be a problem in our area. And again, I cover uh, like central Maryland in between Baltimore and DC. We're going to start seeing it this year. It's going to become a problem next year, most likely. And what does it do? What what is it attacking? Right. That's a great question. Um, it attacks all sorts of stuff. Uh, it, it goes after, I want to say, uh, 40 different species of tree. Um, and uh, it's favorite. So there's a couple of upsides. It's, it's favorite snack is the Elantha saltissima, which is the tree of heaven, which is a, uh, a, uh, invasive tree that is a bit of a problem in the United States. So the good news is it loves that. Um, and what it, it does it, um, as far as how it affects us is it, it's a, it's, uh, a very abundant species. So once it hits a tree and it's, it's, um, populations are out of control. It looks like the tree's almost alive. The bark of the tree is just moving around. And what it does is it pierces the, the bark of the tree. It feeds on the sugars and then excretes a honeydew, uh, which in turn, it's a sticky, sweet substance, sticky, clear substance that, uh, attracts airborne mold. So everything underneath the tree just gets this sooty gray, chalky color. So cars, and uh, patios and benches and the rest. So not only does it hurt the trees, but it's also just gross. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a way to put it. Um, so the tree itself, uh, it, it the way it travels around a lot, it it um, is by its egg masses. So it lays its eggs uh, in the fall, and you get these gray masses. Uh, Oh, that's a good way to put it. It just looks like a patch of mud on the side of a car or on it. Because it doesn't have to lay its eggs on trees. So it could be in a car or an RV, something that's parked all summer. And then you drive it once a year, especially because it's sitting for a long time. So boats, trailers, RVs, those things. Uh, or trucks, if you park a rig. And, you know, if a semi is parked up in a truck stop in Berks County for, you know, three days while they're waiting for an order, that's plenty of time for a female to lay its egg mass on the side. And then it, travels down on the road and that's how it's spreading like crazy so i have heard like fruit trees 
grape growers, stuff like that, are the are these are some of the people that are are uh, you know really worried about this? Yeah, absolutely, um, because their their income you know is is based upon their plants, and yeah. So if you have they they love um, the the spotted lanternfly loves vines, so if you're growing grapes um, for for a winery or for edible grapes. Also hops, they love hops. Uh, so if you're in the, the beer industry, um, you know, if you're growing hops, that, that could be a big issue. Please um, tell me they're not, please yeah. tell me they're not going to shut down the beer industry. <laughs> uh, they're going to, they're going to do their best to, but I think once it gets to that, us arborists will really kick into high gear. So you'll see, you'll see, you'll see our revenge take on a whole new level. What? Um, but yeah, fruit, fruit and nut trees, uh, peaches, apple, the rest, uh, maples. They love maples. That's you know, when you talk about trees that we have in our landscape. You know, things in your yard. Maples are, are hit especially hard by them. So what what yeah. can, what can you guys do about spotted lanternfly? Do we have a treatment yet? Yeah. So there's there's stuff that we could do about it um, to kill them off when they're on your property. Um, one thing we're seeing a lot of is the uh, the banding. So you saw this with the kind of like the gypsy moths where you put the uh, the sticky tape around your trees. Um, that kind of works because they they hop and they crawl up and down the tree, so it catches them. The downside of that though is that it also catches a lot of other things too. So uh, everything from beneficial insects to uh, bats and birds and and squirrels and important things to the environment. So. Yeah, that's one way to do it, but you're really catching everything. Uh, you can treat the trees actually a lot like the emerald ash borer with the um, dimidacloprid. Um, you could use that. Uh, the uh, You could directly spray them with products that will kill them off, kind of just you know zap them in sight. Uh, some organic treatments do have... Uh, immediate effectiveness, but not really good residual. So insecticidal soaps or, um, neem oil. Uh, so that, I mean, that'll, that'll smother the population that's currently there, but the next day other stuff can show right back up. So your best bet is the, uh, those annual systemic products that stay in the tree. All right, let's continue the bad news. And what else is on the horizon? Right. So for our region, uh, the next big thing that we see coming our way is going to be the beech leaf disease. Uh, this is one coming out of Northeast Ohio is where it was first ID'd. Um, it's in Pennsylvania. I want to say it's in Southwest New York also. I'm not positive. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, it is affecting the saplings of the American beech mainly, um, but it takes about three to four years from identification to the death of the tree is what we're seeing. Again, this is so new that I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into what I'm saying, not because I don't know, but because we, we just don't know yet. Um, but uh, we think that it is a um, nematode, uh, which is like a microscopic worm that is doing the damage um, that we haven't completely uh, certified that or, or confirmed that um so it's in pennsylvania they've id'd on long island and they've identified in connecticut also so i was looking at my notes um so that's that's the next big thing on the horizon i, I don't know doug where you, you're at how big a species the beach is but here in maryland they're a pretty important species so 
that'd be tough to uh, to lose that one. We don't have any treatments yet, again, because we haven't confirmed what's causing it yet. Um, but there's definitely trials going on. I, I do know that uh, to figure it out. Well, how about some good news? Tell me a little bit about how it feels when you do go out, when you're looking at some of these trees, and I guess especially now emerald ash borer, since we know what it is, since we know it's been around for a little bit, when you see a tree and you can save it for for the people, that's got to be a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it it feels good to be able to identify... Uh, prescribe and treat a tree and see it pull through. You know, there's, there are trees that I treated, you know, six years ago, seven years ago that, um, that are showing signs of success against the odds, which is great. You know, I think of the future generations, my kids, my, my someday, my grandkids, maybe uh, being able to see mature ash trees. Um, and sure, there'll be fewer of them, but it's kind of like when I see a mature American elm tree that's in good shape. It's it's beautiful. It's rare. It's gorgeous. Uh, and so that's that's a pretty special thing. Uh, you know, a lot of times trees are very emotional subjects to folks, especially when they're on their property. You know, they planted this ash tree when their first child was born or when they bought the house. And now 30 years later, here it is. And uh, there's this pest. Can you save it? Sure, we could do that. And, you know, that feels wonderful. Um, you know, being an arborist is really cool. It's it's helping folks to really care for their properties, helping forests. I mean, everyone loves a tree, right? And so, so you know, having those answers when people need them is uh, it's a good feeling. Well, Lou, I'm going to finish right there because I wanted to finish on a positive note, and that is wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for your time, and the information is going to be invaluable uh, for for anyone uh, dealing with those three problems. Thanks again for your time. It was good stuff. Doug, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, it's all about the bane of my existence, herds of deer, and how to keep your trees, shrubs, and landscapes safe from these four-legged marauders. And remember, for the Talking Trees podcast, we always say, trees are the answer.